Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. I think I represent what we would call the third branch of treatment of endocarditis and addiction. So there's antibiotics, uh, there's surgery, and obviously there's treatment of the addiction. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we've developed such good experience here, and I sit with these colleagues, many of whom I see each day when we are unrounding, but there's medical treatment, surgical treatment, and what we would say now treatment of infective endocarditis in people with substance use disorder. And I think the clinical, from the clinical side, you know, unless it's diagnosed at an early stage, the most effective treatment for infective endocarditis in all these cases is going to require surgery. Um, and again, remember, 50% of patients diagnosed with endocarditis, regardless, are going to end up in surgery. And we're blessed that we have surgeons that actually like to operate and will operate. Now, I'm not going to go through, um, how can I say, the antibiotics, but, but uh, as Tom Frazier likes to say, we're pretty much a vancomycin ceftriaxone group. Um, you know, we know how to use ceftazavi and other things, but basically, uh, it's the antibiotics are not that complicated in this regard. Their biggest pathogens are going to be strep viridans, that's ceftriaxone or penicillin. We will see Staph aureus. Occasionally, we're going to see some Hasix and gram-negatives and some unusual things. In injection drug use, obviously, we can come up with things like serration, some gram-negatives. But this is really our, our stable, and it's not that complicated in terms of, of duration. In terms of what's new, we're beginning to utilize what we call the long-acting lipopeptides for certain organisms, the gram-positives. And what the advantage here is, after surgery, we can get away with one dose uh, before they leave the hospital and another dose in about two weeks. And that, uh, although those studies are ongoing, is probably another way forward in terms of lineless delivery of antimicrobials. And this is just not for patients with uh, injection drug use. This actually, if you ask any patient, uh, would they prefer to have a pick line for six weeks or get inje you know, two injections after discharge is probably the way to go. The other thing you begin to see is the POET trial, which if you remember was kind of a, a bridge to decision in terms of IV. So these are patients uh, from the Danish study, most of which left-sided endocarditis, appropriate organisms, all of them underwent a TE at the time of diagnosis and at, at, at 14 days, whether they had surgery or not. And if things looked improved, they were randomized to continue with IV or continue with oral. And recently, the five-year follow-up was published, and there was no significant difference in these groups. So I think our group is not quite ready to give uh, what I'd say POET to all patients, but certainly consideration of patients who have had surgery, which we most of us still consider to be the most important antibiotic in source control. The other thing that I think that was taught to us here is um, when you look at outcomes, surgery versus not, in all the literature, um, there are three main factors that we have to take into account whenever we read all these studies. There's survival, there's referral bias, and selection bias. And we all know that plays out here every day. Uh, here, of course, survival, that means the patient has to survive long enough that someone like Dr. Unai or Dr. Halgari is going to come and assess the patient for a candidate. We see many patients here that are not going to be surgical candidates and not survive, don't get that far. If you get that far, then there has to be referral bias. So Bo or someone has to refer or, or say, get the surgeon involved early or, you know, up there to make a decision on whether or not to operate or not. And after the surgeon gets there and makes that decision, because we always say decision for surgery is between the surgeon and the patient. Well, you know, we tell our learners, do not write in the chart, patient needs surgery or needs this. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a shared decision, but that's between the surgeon and the patient. 
And then if you have surgery, um, it's, it's selecting, right? I mean, there's selection bias that goes on, uh, even with, with our surgeons in terms of who's gonna be the candidate, who's gonna be not, what they're gonna do. So these are big factors that are hard to quantitate, but happen actually every day here in patients with infective endocarditis in terms of decision for surgery. When it comes to, to substance use disorder, injection drug use, uh, this paper first authored by my colleague, Nabin Shereste, really I think tells the story of, of where we still are today. And this is what we call that 90 day golden period. So these were patients all with endocarditis at the clinic. And what you can see is within the first 90 days, actually the patients with injection drug use had better outcomes in terms of reoperations and things. And of course, they're relatively younger. They don't have the concomitant other coronary artery disease or things of this nature. But after 90 days, between 90 and 180, the hazards ratio for readmission or relapse was about 10 times the other group. And although we didn't directly study that, I don't think you need to be Einstein to, to know that what happens there is after all the medical care and the post-discharge goes away, if you don't treat the addiction, the addiction is still present. And that is really the thing that drives. And although we talk about relapse here in these studies, if you look at the biggest risk now of people who inject drugs, it's death. Uh, and so we teach our learners, when you take those histories, if you have a patient that is overdosed, that's a huge risk factor for death. Similar to when we take domestic violent histories, if I get a history that a woman's been choked, that is really a warning sign for homicide. So these are the things that are, I think, right up front and center when we take care of these patients. Now, again, you know, we honor those who, who serve and everything else. Uh, and again, there's been influence, I think, in the clinic's experiences, both in publications that we say and also guidance. And although this, this newest guideline is, is not quite a guideline, it's a white paper, it has Dr. Pedersen and the Cleveland Clinic all over it because it really is focusing on that third leg of treat the addiction. And this is still, I think, the biggest challenge for all of us. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash cardiac consult podcast.